Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week's college football and NFL cards as we enter into the second half of the National Football League season, if you can believe it. And with that, I'm going to welcome our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, once again, a nice, great job, I should say, in the totals tip sheet last week. Between uh, Tuco and Monkey and myself, we are uh, extremely pumped. Uh, We're off our best weekend of the season in uh, football between the totals tip sheet going three and one and our King Creole service going four and all. It was a seven and one weekend for us. Very, very pleased. The highlight was the uh, five-star NFL game of the month, which was on the Giants and the Lions over the total. That one was pretty easy. We cashed it about one, maybe two minutes into the fourth quarter. So, again, uh, we thank all who joined us for that uh, over-the-total winner, a five-star best bet, and a beautiful 7-1 weekend. It's got us really pumped heading into November, and uh, we've added some funds to the bankroll. I think we're going to be okay. That puts a spring into the step, Victor. Fall is here, and with that comes a spring in the step. (laughs) Nothing like winning at this time of the year, especially when it comes to college and pro football. And, you know, with that, I mentioned also that uh, we are now entering into the second half of the National Football League season. Uh, With that, it also means that we're getting closer and closer to the college football season and the finish line. And with that, the college bowl games will be here before we know it. We're going to blink and it's going to fly by us faster than we can really want or imagine it to be. And with that, talking about the college football teams and what's happened thus far this season here, uh, we'd like to do a little bit of what we learned last week in the world of college and pro football last week. And uh, uh, I will say this, that uh, the noose begins to tighten. I mentioned this last week. It begins to tighten this time of the year for these undefeated football teams. We saw that with Boise State. Two weeks ago, we saw that with Oklahoma last week, and we are now down to just nine undefeated football teams, three of which reside in the Big Ten Conference, two out of the SEC, two group of five teams, and one each from the ACC and the Big 12. And the ironic thing, Victor, is the three teams from the Big Ten and the two from the Southeast Conference all have a week of rest, so they will not be suffering their first loss of the season this week. Uh, I like it. The teams that dropped the furthest in the uh, rankings because of losses. You mentioned the Oklahoma. They've fallen to number 10. Notre Dame, with that surprising loss, dropped eight spots. Of course, Wisconsin losing to Ohio State dropped five spots as well. That's uh, on the negative side. On the positive side, you mentioned the unbeatens. And two teams I just want to touch on very, very briefly would be the fact that the the, uh, state of Texas has two undefeated teams. If you predicted SMU and Baylor to be the last two unbeatens from the Lone Star State, you'd probably be lying. Both teams, uh, we got an 8-0, we got a 7-0. This is the first time ever that both of those two teams were 7-0 and better at the same time. Of course, they used to be in the Southwest Conference uh, for decades. 
uh, and often, since I lived down there in Dallas at the time, and often corrupt Southwest Conference, I might add. But hey, we're talking about uh, positives right now. And, you know, SMU, they brought a Texan back home in Sonny Dykes, who really fits the state like a glove. He was probably miscast a little as the head coach out at Laidback, California. So uh, really, really nice seeing Sonny Dykes, the resurgence of SMU, replacing Chad Morris, who probably wishes he never left for Arkansas. And, of course, Sonny went down to I-35 to get his quarterback, Texas graduate transfer Shane Bichelle, who, if you remember, lost the job in Austin to Sam Ellinger, the current Texas quarterback. And, of course, we talked about that Baylor hire a couple of years ago. You were very impressed when they went outside the Lone Star box and hired Matt Rule, a native of the Northeast, who had been head coach at Temple. I know you remarked at the time it was a, uh, a very, very good hire for Baylor, and he's adapted very, very smartly, recruiting effectively in the state. So, again, my hats are off to those two Texas undefeated teams. And, in fact, Mark, both get a nationally televised game this week, Baylor hosting West Virginia on Thursday night on ESPN. And for SMU, their game against AAC Power Memphis uh, has been time changed to 7.30 p.m. on ABC TV Saturday night. The AAC gets a very, very rare Saturday night national TV game. So good for both of those programs. Real good for both of those programs, Victor. And as you mentioned here, we had touted Baylor very highly in this year's 2019 Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine. And a lot of that was obviously based upon Matt Rule and his track record as a head coach and how he had improved football programs from the time he took over. And especially now where he's at uh, with the Baylor Bears this football season, not only is he undefeated, but uh, in his career, if you take a look at his steps of progress that he's made, uh, in the third year of programs, he's been absolutely terrific. And he's doing just that again this football season here. So it's like handicapping not only the teams, but the coaches as well. Yeah. Because the coaches, you know, their personality uh, spills over into the teams and they ad- adopt uh, exactly to what it is that the coaches are doing. So tip of the hat to the Baylor Bears and SMU, as you mentioned here. And it will be fun to see SMU in a primetime football game playing Saturday night. Uh, One other thing, Victor, that I did learn in college football after overviewing the games last week was the fact that we are now down to only three winless teams in college football. Three winless teams. Those happen to be Akron, New Mexico State, and Rice. And I might say that uh, all throughout the football season, we've taken jabs at some of these lowly programs and we would have a little bit of a, a, a contest or a dispute going on about who is the worst in college football at a time. It was UMass. Connecticut was always there. New Mexico State was always there. But head and shoulders, the worst team this football season in the FBS level has to be the Zips from Akron. If you take a look at what they are this football season, or why I should say what they're not, uh, let me preface this by saying this, that in my stat and logbook each week, I hand log all the stats from each team, college football, pro football, and what they did statistically and what they're doing overall in the season straight up and against the spread. Anything that involves a loss or a negative thing is red ink. Anything that's a win or a, uh, or a plus is black ink. And I need to say that the Akron Zips page is total red ink. They have not won a game. They have not covered a spread. And they have not outyarded a football opponent this football season here. Now, we knew it was going to be tough for Tom Arth 
and he's a former head coach from Cleveland St. Ignatius, where we're from in Cleveland. Uh, that's a football powerhouse. Went to John Carroll, coached there. But he's made this jump from Division Three to the FBS, and it's really, really taking a toll on him this football season here. Uh, but, you know, you look back in the rearview mirror, and it's all of a sudden, uh, for the time of the year that the seven years that Terry Bowden was at Akron, they suddenly don't look like bad years for the Akron Zips this football season. That's kind of what I also observed last weekend, Victor. Any comments or takes you have on any of these undefeated teams or their programs? Well, since you're on the MAC conference, it, it appears that nobody wants to win that conference. Uh, usually, you got a standout team, at least one per season. You know, some years it might be Toledo, it might be Northern Illinois, it might be Western Michigan, it might be Buffalo. But again, it, it appears nobody wants to win in the MAC East. You got a three-way tie between Miami, Buffalo, and Ohio U, all at four and four on the season. The only team in the entire MAC who's two games over 500 or higher is Toledo at five and three overall, and they've kind of even stunk up the joint in their last three games, losing two out of three. Followed by Western Michigan five and four and Central Michigan five and four. So it appears that that's a, a conference right now where there's nobody really head and shoulders above anybody else in that league. We'll certainly remember that come bowl time, Victor, because as you know. The MAC Conference has really struggled in college football bowl games. Usually, generally, better teams will play down to their level in bowl games, but it hasn't happened here of late. And it doesn't look like there's going to be any worthwhile teams coming out of the MAC by season's end this football season here. One other quick note that I have uh, while doing our Inside the Stats article, which I'll be having posted on playbook.com later today, noting that. In college football last week, 13 teams won games inside out where they won the games and lost the stats, One of, or two of which were 100-yard decisions. SMU beat Houston but was outstanded 125 yards. That's not a good omen. And also, Miami of Florida in their win over Pittsburgh was outset at 114 yards. And with that a perfect segue, I'm going to take it over to the NFL side of things about what it is that we learned last week. And I'll start it out with the fact that there were three teams in the NFL last week, Victor, that also won the game and lost the stats, and all three of them, if you can believe it, were out-yarded by over 140 yards in the victories. Those teams were the L.A. Chargers, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Tennessee Titans. So play those teams accordingly or look at them this week before you make your decisions on whether backing or fading those football teams. Anything else, Victor, that you saw on the NFL card noteworthy of what it was that you learned? Uh, you know, one of our elite stories that we've talked about, particularly in the last few podcasts, have been uh, the home field advantage in the NFL is basically gone these days. And that old school way of handicapping, again, where you blindly assigned a three in front of each team for a home field advantage, again, in the NFL, it is definitely not working. We know how the road teams have done this season. Uh, 62 and 55 straight up for the road teams, 72 and 43 against the spread in the NFL. So with that said, this is crossing over into other sports now. And I'm specifically, I'm talking about hockey and NBA and even the postseason in major league baseball. After one week of the NBA season, Road underdogs are already 20-11-1 against the spread. Where's the home court advantage there? Where's the home ice advantage in hockey? That's not happening. 
And how about Major League Baseball? With the Nationals winning Game 6 last night, the Tuesday night game in Houston, this is now the first postseason series in either Major League Baseball, NBA, or NHL history in which the road team has won the first six games. So, for me, home field, home courts, home ice, any of those advantages, they are now dead. Well, I can see that, especially in the National Football League, Victor, as you mentioned, we're seeing a lot of it with road team success this year. The L.A. football teams, they don't get any support at all at home. And those teams in the NFL that do get support are sometimes overvalued because of just that. So it, it needs to be uh, taken with a grain of salt when you're power rating your football teams about whether or not they're at home or on the road. But it appears right now, at least this season, that there's a better power rating for teams that are on the road as opposed to being home this football season here. One other quick take of Victor, what it was that I noted uh, as we enter the halfway point of the season is that if the NFL playoffs were to start this week, as we enter into uh, through eight weeks of the NFL season here, these are the teams that would be seated and playing in the NFL playoffs. The two uh, teams out of the AFC with bye weeks would be New England and Indianapolis. A little bit of a surprise there. In the NFC, it would be San Francisco and New Orleans, the number one and number two seeds. And then the wild card teams out of the AFC would be Baltimore, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Houston in that seeding order, followed by, in the NFC, Green Bay, Dallas, Seattle, and Minnesota. The teams that were in the playoffs last year that would be missing out right now would be the Chargers over the AFC, along with the Rams, the Bears, and the Eagles in the NFC. Now, there's a lot of football to be played in the second half of the season, but we always see a turnover in playoff teams from one year to the next. Sometimes almost as many as half, but usually about five teams, close to five teams, don't make the playoffs from one year to the next. We'll see whether or not that holds true this football season here. Victor, any other take you might have on what you learned in the NFL last week? How about coaching hot seats or at least some first-year coaches that are having difficulties where as you mentioned, basically midway through the season, one coach has already lost his job at Jay Gruden. Others will be probably joining him at some point, most likely probably Dan Quinn of the Falcons, who continue to sink further into uh, disrepair. And uh, I know the watch is on to see what happens with guys like Doug Barone and Jason Garrett and maybe even Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. But it's worth asking at the midseason point here, Mark, if any of the league's first-year head coaches – are in danger of becoming the next Steve Wilkes, a victim of the dreaded one-and-done club. And, of course, of the eight coaches, in their first season, only Matt LaFleur of the Packers has a winning record. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury of the Cardinals, who had a bad game against the Saints, is next best at 3-4-1. and one. And the other six teams that change coaches in the offseason are a combined 7-37 and 37 on the season. That spells trouble. Two in the group have failed to win a game. Zach Taylor of the Bengals appears to be in a above his head a little bit, and Brian Flores of the Dolphins. But uh, obviously, uh, there are some coaches on the hot seat and a couple of new guys who are perhaps in over their heads. Well, Victor, when I'm looking at new head coaches in the National Football League, I'm primarily focused on rookie new head coaches that have never been a head coach in the National Football League before. Sometimes you'll get transition moves like Bruce Arians and coaches like that who do have experience, but it's these rookie head coaches that are new for the first time 
in the NFL this year, and they're really struggling. You mentioned Matt LaFleur. He's the only one that's really had success thus far this football season here. You mentioned Cliff Kingsbury in the bonehead call that he made last week when he's trailing New Orleans 10-6 to on fourth down on his own 29-yard line in the go third quarter, and he, and he opts to go for it. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on, man. It's like, why open the door for New Orleans? And that's exactly what he did in that bonehead move. You're seeing bonehead moves like that also from Freddie Kitchens of the Cleveland Browns. And I could save an entire show for a rant on Freddie <laughs> Kitchens. <laughs> but he is my number one choice to be the first of these rookie head coaches to get a pink slip by the end of the football season. Not saying during the season, but by year's end. Freddie Kitchens, I would be surprised if he's back for the Cleveland Browns next football season here. Vic Fangio looks like he's completely out of his element as a head coach with the Denver Broncos. He's a defensive coordinator, was a good defensive coordinator, but he is not a good head coach. Zach Taylor, Brian Flores. Brian Flores might have a little bit of a mulligan in the sense right. that uh, you know that the, the roster rebuild for this program by the, the management that's hoping this team tanks so they can add to all of these draft picks that they've got coming up this football season. Right now, Miami's got three number ones, two number twos, and two number threes. So they're looking to obviously build for the season here. So I would give Flores, a, 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 like I say, a, a mulligan. And then you've got uh, Zach Taylor, who might also be on this short list as well. So uh, a little bit of a head scratch for this move for young head coaches, for rookie head coaches. They all want to be the next Sean McVay. And uh, management doesn't want to miss out on a possible Sean McVay. But for every one Sean McVay, you've got four or five Cliff Kingsbury's and Freddie Kitchens that you have to deal with out there. And uh, the NFL will soon wise up. And it goes back to our comment that you made a couple of shows back about the Cleveland Browns should have perhaps hired Brian or Bruce Arians in retrospect, and that's not so much in retrospect, but it was a thought that you and I both had before the hire was made right. at Freddie Kitchens. So, you know, that's all paying out. Uh, experience really tends to pay off, especially in the National Football League. And with that, Victor, let's move on to what we will call right now our rant of the weekend. Jeff, if you would do the honors. And now, this week's rant from Mark and Victor. Okay, guys, we're seeing it again, and we're talking about zebras in the National Football League that are making horrific calls at the worst time in football games. It was never more apparent last Sunday for the Tampa Bay Bucks and Bruce Arians football team who were completely pillaged and taken out of a victory in their loss last week. Uh, if you watch the replay on the, what happened, uh, there was a sack, a fumble, a pickup, a scoop, and a score. But it was disallowed because a referee blew a whistle and ruled the play dead uh, and disallowed any opportunity for Tampa Bay to do that. It was so bad that the National Football League even issued an apology to Tampa Bay. Well, that doesn't do Bruce Arians any good, and it certainly didn't do us any good because we had Tampa all over our newsletter and our phone service last week. And uh, once again, another case of the zebra stepping in and determining whether or not we're going to have a good day or a bad day in the National Football League. And I think it comes down once again to Victor, what we said before, the NFL needs to start hiring coaches, or referees, I should say, and making them full-time employees. You know, who knew that way back in January of this year that the bad officiating in the NFC Championship game would linger on for an entire season in the NFL. And that's what's happened in 2019. 
It's amazing. I mean, earlier the referees robbed the Lions of a win against the Green Bay Packers when they called illegal hands to the face twice. That did not occur. You mentioned the Buccaneers game. The referees more than likely cost the Bucs a win when they did not let the play run its course on a forced fumble. The ball was clearly out. The ball was clearly live. And the officials basically stole six points uh, from the pewter and red. When will it stop? That's what I have to ask you. Well, the National Football League, you know, everything is turning back to New York right now for reviews. You know, they've changed the rule for pass interference, of which is hardly ever uh, upheld. Uh, the National Football League, uh, obviously, in support of the uh, referees on the field. I think only 2% have been overturned, something to that effect. And coaches are getting gun shy about throwing flags for reviews. But, but the bottom line is, uh, in a case like the Tampa Bay game last week, it was non-reviewable because the play was officially dead at the whistle. And I think that also needs to be reviewed. Uh, you know, nothing tells you better than what you see. And what you see or what you saw in that football game was a clear turnover in the contest here. And it was a game-deciding turnover. Tampa Bay should leave with the win. Instead, uh, uh, instead of the win, they leave with a, lo- with a loss of Tennessee. Uh, so, again, I think if you're going to do instant replay in the National Football League, make it across the board. Don't do it in certain spots and specific times and uh, decisions leaving uh, on the field to the referees. You're either pregnant or you're not. One or the other. Get off the table and decide what it is you want to do so that the fans don't become infuriated or the people betting the games don't become infuriated like a lot happened last week in that particular football game. That's our rant on what we saw last week in the National Football League. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our college football game of the week. We've got the world's largest outdoor cocktail party coming up when we preview Florida and Georgia. When we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. It's time to experience the all-new Playbook Experts VIP Experience. Only the Playbook Experts VIP Experience offers We Pay the Juice, Conflict Game Notices, Tokens Bonuses, SMS Alerts, and Genius Game Alerts. It's the only customer experience of its kind. To find out more about becoming a Playbook Experts VIP, log on today at playbook.com or call toll-free for more information at 1-800-PLAYBOOK. Become a VIP this football season with your Playbook Experts VIP membership. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our college football game of the week. We've got a dandy on top in the SEC conference this week as we take on the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs in what was always billed as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And I think right now, Victor, it should be billed as the music being supplied by the Florida Georgia Line, a big time country band who (laughs) (laughs) one guy resides, comes from Florida, the other from Georgia. And we've got that rivalry taking place here in this football game. Victor, your take on the Gators and the Bulldogs this Saturday. They don't officially call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party anymore. But, hey, we all know what it is. Any excuse for an adult beverage before, during, or after a sporting event is basically just fine by me. Uh, 3.30 Eastern kickoff. Of course, they play it in Jacksonville. The over-under line opened at 47 and a half. It's come down a point and a half to 46 as we record the podcast here 
on uh, Wednesday mornings. On the season, we're talking about two pretty good under teams. We know how good they are on defense. Both teams are ranked in the top 20 in red zone defense. On the year, Florida 3-5 and five over under. The average line in Gator games, 51.4. Average score, 48.2. So their average game has gone under by 3.2 points per game. A little bit bigger of a margin for Georgia and a slightly better defense uh, to boot. Average line in the Bulldog games this season, 54.7. And average score, 46.6. So their average game has gone uh, under by 8.1 points per game. On the season, we got some good offensive numbers, 32.5 points per game for Florida, 36 for Georgia. And what I like about the Florida is the improvement on offense. Of course, in each of the last two seasons, Florida, uh, for the longest time there, were a very, very poor offensive team. But uh, they've done very, very well, uh, 35 points per game last year. Nice improvement, 32.5 this season. And I do know that Georgia has not allowed greater than 20 points in any game this season. Very, very impressive. However, to balance that out, Florida has scored 24 or more points in every game this season. Not only that, but they've allowed 69 points in conference play in each of their last two conference games versus South Carolina and versus LSU. I think you can kind of tell which way we're leaning in this game. Yes, it's been a low-scoring series, Mark, 2-5-1 and one over under the last eight meetings. Average line, 46.5. Again, as I mentioned, this week's line is 46, so that's Falls right in line in what has been the average in this series. Average score, 42.1. The average game, of course, under by 4.4 points per game. However, again, uh, 53 points were scored in last year's meeting. It was the highest scoring game in five years. And that was the Georgia 36-17 victory. Based on the uh, point spread and the over-under line, the implied final score in this game is Georgia 26.5, Florida 20. I do think Florida gets over 20 points, and I see this one finishing a little bit closer to like a 30-23 to 23 game, maybe 52, 53 points. Based on a line of 46.5, that gives us about 6 or 7 points. And, yeah, we'll, we'll lean on the over as Florida plays Georgia, and we'll have a couple cocktails while we're watching the game go over the total, too. Victor, you're allowed to have a couple of cocktails watching that football game. It's uh, a college football rule. Anybody who watches the game <laughs> should probably have a cocktail while doing so. <laughs> uh, but he does go over the total or leans over the total, Victor does, in this big Florida-Georgia football contest on Saturday. This is a matchup of a battle for first place in the SEC East Division, if you will. The winner of this will take sole possession of first place. There are two one-loss teams coming into this football game, so it is indeed the biggest game of the season thus far for both of these football teams. Florida has met with pretty good success of late in the series. They've cashed four of the last six games, but they've been taken out each of the last two years in a row by resounding margins. They lost by 35 and 19 points the last two years, failing to win or cover the spread in each of those football games. Playing with conference revenge, as they here obviously are, they failed to get the money four of their last five times have the Florida Gators in this particular role. 
the Georgia Bulldogs come in here, they're starting to assert themselves defensively, much like, and I'll throw this out there, this has nothing to do with this game, but I'm saying starting to assert yourself defensively is a key cog in handicapping football games in the month of November. I'm going to throw this out there. You take a look at the Clemson Tigers, who by all appearances appear to be struggling this year. Yeah, you could say they are, but they haven't allowed more than 20 points in a game this year. And in their eight games they played, they've held their last seven opponents to season-low yards, has Clemson. They are a freight train waiting to happen right now. Clemson, so don't throw them out of your college football playoff projections at this time of year because they're really cooking. The Georgia Bulldogs were, on the other hand, taken out of all this undefeated talk when they lost earlier this year, the big, huge upset loss to South Carolina as 20-point home chalk. But nonetheless, they've held four of their or of, of their last four opponents, I should say. They've held them to either season-low or second-low yardage marks. The Georgia Bulldog defense is beginning to get in gear here as well. Georgia comes in off a 21-0 shutout win over Kentucky, a game in which they allowed just 180 yards in that contest. Georgia 6-2 to the spread when coming off a shutout win. They're also 6-2 to the spread the last eight games against opponents in the Southeast Conference that do have revenge like the Florida Gators do. The bottom line to me in this football game and being the underdog lover that I am, I'm mostly a contrarian handicapper. And while I'm supposed to be on the Florida Gators in this game, I'm going to be contrarian given the fact that when I look through my midweek alert newsletter this week, it's all about the stats this time of the year. And I, I rely on that more than anything else, my midweek alert newsletter, in pouring over those stats. Georgia has owns all the stats, the better stats in this football matchup here. They're the number sixth-ranked team defensively, number 22 offensively. That compares to Georgia coming in at number 25 defensively and 54th on offense. Georgia scores and allows more and less points than, than do the Florida Gators. And they've also played in the Southeast Conference title game each of the last two years. They want nothing more than to get back into that championship game this year after the boo-boo that they uh, incurred against Kentucky here. I think Georgia comes with their best game of the season on Saturday. I'll back the Georgia Bulldogs in this game for my side in this world's largest outdoor cocktail party contest. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our NFL game of the week. We're going to hop out to London, England, if you will. The blokes over there and take a look at the Houston Texan-Jacksonville Jaguar game. When we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Andy's statistical and fundamental take on every week's football card is comprehensive and visionary. Many say it's like money in the bank. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com.
Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. And it's time once again for our NFL Game of the Week. As I mentioned, we're going to hop out to London, England for a college I mean, NFL football game and preview the Houston Texan-Jacksonville Jaguar division matchup. Victor, your take on the Texans and the Jaguars in London, England. Yeah, we're back to also one of these 9.30 a.m. Eastern starts. There's only been one thus far this season, and two of the uh, across-the-pond games have been around 5 o'clock local time. So this is, again, one of those earlier games. 1.30 local time in London, 9.30 Eastern time over here, 6.30 Pacific time. Kind of early for our West Coast friends to get up for the game, but hey, it's the NFL we do what we have to do. I wonder what uh, the mustache man is going to do there heading across the pond. How will uh, Gardner Minshew, how will that show uh, appear there in London? I wonder if uh, Uncle Rico is going to make an appearance as well <laughs> as his nephew plays the Houston Texans. The over-under line opened 47. It's come down a half a point, 46 and a half. We're not going to gain much insight looking at each team's overall over under record as both Houston and Jacksonville are four and four over under on the season. Houston, their average line 49.1, average score 50.0. On the Jaguar side, the average over under line 41.8, average score 42.0. What is impressive is. Both teams are having a resurgence on offense this season. Houston's now the number four offense in the entire NFL, 26.5 points per game and 395 yards per game. That includes a very strong rushing team, number 634 rushing yards. And when we're talking about the surprising offenses, Jacksonville's at the top of the list this season. They've improved all the way to number 10 in the offense, 380 yards per game. And their average of 21.6, that's an increase of 6.6 points per game compared to last year. Again, a team that does it very, very well on the ground with Leonard Fournette. They're the number five rushing team at uh, 136 yards per game. That being said, we do got two good defenses as well. And it's been a pretty low-scoring series between these two teams. Each of the last three meetings between the Jags and Texans have gone under the total four out of the last five, and they've been low scoring the average points in those games combined 25.0. So those last three games minus 16.6 points per game under the total, very, very low scoring. Uh, We don't have a lot in terms of, data in regards to these regular season neutral site games, the occasional Mexico game, and of course, most of them played over there in England. In fact, all time, these games have gone 18 overs, 18 unders. We will point out, though, as of late, three out of the last 10 have gone over and seven have gone under the total. This season, two overs, one under in the uh, London games. We'll also point out that the Jaguars, in their six games across the pond, have gone five and one over under. That's five overs, only one under, average margin plus 9.8 points per game. And in regards to the neutral games, I'm sure that you'll throw out some numbers on how well the Faves have actually done 
in these particular games. For me, two things are clinching, and I did play the under at 47, the opening line. Number one, there's going to be rain in the forecast there, 65 to 75% chance of rain. Probably light rain there in London Town. That's not surprising. But also the fact that Houston, as division favorites of greater than a point, have gone one and seven to the under in their last eight. Average points in these games, only 34.8. And for the Jaguars, one and six over under. Last seven as division underdogs, including a perfect 0 and 4 in their last four. Average points per game, 26.8 at 46.5. There's still some value in this particular game. Uh, the line is about four to five points higher than it normally has been in this series. For me, that means value on the under, and that's way the way we're going. Texans, Jags, under the total with uh, Uncle Rico's nephew over there across the pond. Uncle Rico and Victor go under the total in the Houston-Jacksonville showdown game in London early on Sunday, as Victor mentioned, a 9.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff. So be sure to set your uh, DVR, or if you're going to be up early, tune in to watch the football game early this Sunday. Taking a look at this division matchup here, I think this matchup is largely uh, all about the quarterbacks here. Number one, Ginsu Minshew, Gardner Minshew from Jacksonville, getting a lot of good publicity and good ink thus far this football season, and deservedly so. He's done a masterful job taking over this program here and leading him to right where they want to be. That's in playoff contention. On the flip side, Deshaun Watson from Houston has had an MVP-type season. He ranks number five in quarterback rankings this year, ratings at 105.7 on the season here. And he's proven to be quite a draft pick selection here. Uh, And it only brings to my mind about the poor job that Chicago Bears have done uh, in throughout the National Football League draft of late. They traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky and bypassed Deshaun Jackson and Patrick Mahomes in the process. I mean, you talk about a general manager that gets a pink slip and wonders why. There's the proof and there's the evidence letting Deshaun Watson slip through their hands. Houston beat the Jaguars 13-12 to earlier this football season as seven-point home favorites. That was in game two of the campaign. And they've also won three games in a row in the series. The Jacksonville Jaguars side of the football game, their defense is really coming around right now at the right time of the season here. They've allowed an average of just 277 yards a game over the last three football games, and they're well attuned to what life is like in London. They know where all the fish and chip shops are in London, England. They're the team with the most experience coming over here. They've played six times since the inception of the International Series games in London here. In fact, uh, they were rumored to be at one time the NFL franchise that would be moving over to London, England. That was back when they weren't getting any support in Jacksonville, hence the reason for scheduling Jacksonville in London so many times. Jacksonville comes into this football game uh, in their 0-5 against a spread off a win in the first of three games away from home. Favorites, as Victor mentioned, in London have done really rather quite well since their inception. 19-9 and against the spread as favorites in London, England here, including... 16-3-1 straight up and 15-5 and to the spread if that favorite has a win percentage of less than 700. I'm going to lean to the Houston Texans in this football game against Jacksonville basically because I think Deshaun Watson holds the edge of the quarterback position here and Gardner Minshew uh, being his first time across the pond, if you will, I think he could end up falling prey to what goes on in London, England this particular weekend. 
put me down for Alinda Houston in the NFL football game on Sunday from London, England. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show as we hop out to Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you as we head into the month of November? Well, it seems out here, Mark, that it's more like December. Woke up this morning about 7 o'clock, checked the temperature, 36 degrees. That's not supposed to be Las Vegas prior to uh, roughly around Christmas. Ooh, that's a little chilly, nippy to say the least. Uh, you're you're on that. More, more, than a little, more than a little chilly. <laughs> well, it's because you brought that hockey team into town here. They had to get, get things uh, cooled down a little bit to get the hockey players adjusted. But bottom line here in South Florida, we're having a, an extended uh, summer, if you will, a heat wave that continues to persist down here. We're going to have temperatures in the upper 80s and it's warm and muggy. So it's kind of like uh, unusual weather for South Florida and also unusual weather for Las Vegas. But that's what life is in the U.S. these days, especially as we're undergoing some obvious climate change during these times. Uh, uh, you know what? I don't agree. I mean, I don't disagree that there's climate change, but a morning like this makes me reconsider global warming. <laughs> You'd love to see a little bit more of it there is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> uh, and by the way, guys, if you, uh, for those of you listening, uh, and I'm sure you're well aware, Andy publishes what I think is one of the best football newsletters in the country. It's The Logical Approach newsletter. You can get it at TheLogicalApproach.com. And in this week's issue, Andy does one of his famous overviews, a midseason statistical review. And he does a great job of uh, breaking down how teams are playing this year as opposed to what they played from 1988 through 2018 in such categories as uh, how a football team does when they have a better than two-to-one rushing edge in a football game, how teams fare when they have fewer turnovers, and how teams with the most rushing attempts fare in football games. Check all this out. It's a great study. Andy's midseason statistical review inside this week's copy of The Logical Approach Football Newsletter. And with and it, by the way, excuse me, Mark. Yes, let, go ahead. I just Sorry? wanted to mention that. No, I just wanted to mention that I've gotten some inquiries that um, the the newsletter is available on a single issue basis by the folks down at the Gamblers Book Club, the part of the Gamblers General Store. That's where folks can go if they're interested in individual uh, weekly issues. Okay, terrific. So you can reach out to the Gamblers Book Club if you're looking for individual issues as well. As our good friends uh, over at the Gamblers Book Club on Main Street in Las Vegas. And with that, Andy, it's time for our review, our weekly review of what's going on contest-wise in the city of Las Vegas. And when we spoke last, the leader of the Superbook Classic contest had a little bit of a rough week the previous week. He slipped to he slipped to twenty-eight and seven on the season. I don't know how Tuco held out this week, but where do we stand as far as the Superbook Classic contest shapes up going into this weekend? Well. Tuco rebounded nicely, but not nicely enough to escape with the solo lead in the contest. He's actually been caught by another contestant. Tuco Ooh. went three and two last week, uh, which brings his record to 31 and nine. That's 31 out of a possible 40 points. That equates to 77.5 percent winner. So we're seeing it come down. But there are two contestants at 31 and nine. So uh, all of a sudden, the field is tightening up quite a bit, and I'll illustrate that by indicating that there are a total of 106 contestants with 26 or more points. That's 65%. The contest pays the top 100 places, and the uh, 106 at 26 points or more are now within five points 
of the lead. So what appeared to be a possible, not quite runaway, but a clear advantage has now tightened up. There are two with 31 points, one at 30, one at 29 and a half, one at 29, two at 28 and a half, eight at 28, nine at 27 and a half, 18 at 27, 22 at 26 and a half, and 42 at 26. So that's a little bit over 100, 106 of 3,300 plus contestants. So that's about roughly 3% of the contestants within five points of the, uh, of the lead. As far as the consensus plays last week, the consensus plays were two and three. Winners were on the Seahawks laying six and a half in their win at Atlanta. The Eagles plus one and a half in their outright upset win at Buffalo. The losers this past week of the consensus, the Buccaneers taking two and a half in their loss at uh, Tennessee. The Panthers grabbing five and a half in their loss at San Francisco and the Colts laying five and a half in their win but non-cover at home against Denver. So for the year, the consensus plays 21 and 19 in the Super Contest Classic. When the favorite side is chosen, a losing record of 28, 37 and two underdogs only slightly above 500, not quite profitable, 26 and 24. When we look at the classic, or excuse me, the Super Contest Gold, that's the $5,000 entry fee, winner take all, there is one leader, 27, 12, and 1. So contrast that to 31 and 9 in the regular contest. 27, 12, and 1, that's 27 and a half of a possible 40 points. That's 68.75%. Uh, the uh, leader has a half game lead over one contestant. One more at 26 and a half, all the way down to a total of 15 contestants out of the 117 who have acquired or accumulated 24 or more points. That equates to a 60% winning percentage. So here again, we're looking at uh, a little bit over uh, 12 or 13% of the contest of the contestants hitting 60%. The consensus in the Super Contest Gold last week went just one and four. The lone winner was on the Eagles. The uh, other consensus top five selections were losers with Tampa Bay, Carolina, and the Colts, and also the Cleveland Browns taking 13 at uh, at New England. Uh, it was interesting last week. We had a split, uh, an exactly split uh, uh, decision, or I should say a, a distribution of points in the Thursday night game, which you very rarely see a lot of participation and only a handful of contestants. Uh, we saw that in the Super Contest uh, Classic. I didn't mention that one. 689 contestants, each on the Packers and the Chiefs in the Sunday night uh, game for the uh, Classic Contest. In the uh, Gold Contest, favorites 24-24-1. and one. Underdogs, 37-29-1. Overall, 61-55-2 is the winning record. For the Super Contest Gold, failed to mention in the classic, the overall record, a disappointing 54-63-2. In the Circa Contest, the new contest rivaling the classic Westgate Contest, the consensus last week, 3-2, and two, bringing it to the year for 2018-2. Favorites, 30-32-1. However, underdogs in the Circa Contest, a very nice 33-22 and one. That's 60% ignoring the push. The week's five through eight quarterly prize worth excuse me, $143,750 was claimed by one individual who went 17, two, and one 
over oh. weeks five through eight, which is pretty uh, uh, pretty impressive. And uh, everybody in the contest starts anew with a new four-week contest beginning this week with weeks nine through 12. The standings, the leader has 30 out of a possible 40 points. That's 75%. There are two co-leaders, one contestant a half point back, another contestant a point and a half back. There are four contestants, two points out of first, and eight contestants at 27 and a half points or two and a half points out of first place. In that contest, the consensus three and two for the week with winners on Seattle and the Eagles, as well as the Giants, the two losers amongst the contestants, familiar names from the previous contests, the Colts and the Panthers. Finally, in the Golden Nugget contest, the leader is 39-16-1. That's a total of 39.5 points out of a possible 56 Good enough for a point-and-a-half lead over one contestant in second. There are four more uh, at uh, 37-and-a-half points. That's two points out of first place. And two more at 37, two more at 36-and-a-half. And then we start spreading out a little bit more with half a dozen or so contestants behind that. So that contest involving college and pro, seven picks per week, uh, has uh, increased in popularity over the past few years as well, offering the college element to the contest. Andy Isco with an update on what's going on in Las Vegas with the major contests at hand as we approach the second half of the National Football League season. The contests are also winding their way that way as well. Uh, Andy, any word on the buy-in, the second half buy-in from the Superbook contest? How is that going? Is there any word of uh, uh, any sort of entry level or what they're anticipating as far as being able to rebuy back into the contest? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to mention that I was about to, so I'm glad you brought that up before I got a chance to mention it. Uh, it is a they're calling it a super contest reboot. It's a $500 entry fee. I believe the top 10 places get paid. It covers weeks 8, excuse me, 9 through 17, the final 9 weeks of the season, so it starts this week. The entry deadline is this uh, Saturday. Uh, at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific time. You do not have to be already in either the main contest or the gold contest. So uh, new entrants, uh, first-time entrants are certainly uh, welcomed. Uh, you do have to sign up in person. You can, again, use a proxy to submit your weekly selections. My understanding is that they've got, I believe it's a couple of hundred already. They expect more over the balance of the week uh, with the uh, – Gauging from what we've seen in recent years, uh, as the deadline approaches, you get a, a large rush of people over the final few days. It'll be interesting to see how many can be accommodated if they wait until Saturday morning, because as you know, Saturday is also the Breeders' Cup big day, and there'll be a lot of taxing on the resources of the folks behind the counter. So for those who are listening and are interested in entering the uh, Super Contest reboot, I would suggest you try and sign up before Saturday morning. Yeah, this could be a big day for the Breeders' Cup, is sure, Andy. So it would be a busy time, no doubt about that, at the Superbook for the reboot. If you're in Las Vegas, you might want to think about that in advance. We're visiting with By the Andy. By the way, let me, let me. Yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, ahead. Mark. No, excuse me. Just want to say, same rules, same format as the regular contest. Five selections a week. The same contest card is used. It's just that it's a separate contest. I've got you. Good to know. Good news from Andy Isco talking about the updates at the contest at the Superbook and the Classic in Las Vegas. And with that, Andy, uh, how about if you would I'd like to take your time to maybe talk a little bit about any major line moves in the NFL this week that we should be concerned of or made aware of? And also, I know you do a great job. Our listeners love to know any of those advanced lines that came from the Westgate last week 
uh, or will be coming for next week, I should say, for next week's football games that were put out here in midweek. Well, the the line on the Thursday night game last week was San Francisco by seven at Arizona. Arizona, a bit more competitive than the final score might look in its 31-9 loss at New Orleans on Sunday, but San Francisco much more impressive than expected as it faced a winning team in Carolina, blew them off the field 51-13. So when that line came back up, it came up around a 10-point favorite for uh, the San Francisco 49ers, an adjustment as they play on the short week, but also a short travel distance. Not a lot of other significant moves, but I will touch upon a few. The Jets at Miami. Miami looking for its first win of the season. The Jets, uh, Miami once, well, this was before Monday night, but last week before the Jets played the Jaguars, the Jets were six-and-a-half-point road favorites. They looked miserable in their loss to Jacksonville when that line came up. On uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, the line was the Jets four and a half, and uh, then it went down to three, and no adjustment after the Miami Dolphins were relatively competitive in their Monday night loss at Pittsburgh, requiring uh, no real adjustment. So the line three floated between three, three and a half since then. Uh, the game between Tampa Bay and Seattle, Seattle a five and a half point advance favorite. They opened up as a six point favorite following their uh, their seemingly comfortable win in Atlanta. Atlanta did make a little rally to make it uh, competitive and uh, Tampa Bay with a fine effort in Tennessee. Some people felt that perhaps uh, they should have won that game, but for that controversial officiating call that took down a uh, touchdown off of a fumble recovering. Cleveland at Denver. This one actually showed a move for the quarterback uh, issue in Denver. Denver was a one-point home favorite against Cleveland in the advance line last week. After Sunday's action with Denver's tough late loss at Indianapolis and Cleveland's effort in New England, the game was, re- the game was reposted with Denver a one-point home favorite. So no adjustment made. Then the news came out about Joe Flacco and his neck injury and the fact that he's going to miss time. Cleveland became a one-to-one-and-a-half-point favorite at Denver as a result it's been bet up to cleveland a three-point road favorite green bay at the la chargers uh the packers were four-point favorites last week they played sunday night when the game opened sunday afternoon after the chargers uh played their afternoon game uh green bay was a three-point favorite and it came back up at three so no adjustment made off of after can after green bay's win at kansas city on uh, Sunday night. The New England Patriots at Baltimore. This one is, is very much worth, wa- worth talking about because it just shows the action that occurred prior to Sunday. Uh, a week ago Tuesday, the Patriots, who are playing the Sunday night game at Baltimore, were six-and-a-half-point road favorites at the Ravens. The Ravens had their bye this past week, but during the week prior to New England's game against Cleveland, action came in on the underdog Ravens such that when the game was taken off the board prior to New England playing Cleveland, the Patriots were down to a four and a half point road favorite. So a lot of, uh, I believe, the sharp, wise guys, the professionals, however you want to refer to them, took that initial line figuring that regardless of what happened on Sunday or irrespective of what happened on Sunday, that line was going to head down. That was just too many points to lay. At least that's the impression that we have from that significant two-point move from six-and-a-half to four-and-a-half before anything happened this week. After the Patriots won their game 
against Cleveland on a Sunday afternoon, jumping out to that uh, 17-0 lead and basically cruising the rest of the way. Not, a, not an impressive effort from the offense, but a good enough effort to win in cover. Barely, but they won in covered. Uh, the game was reposted. A slight half-point adjustment upward. Actually, the Patriots put up as five-point road favorites, and within hours, that was bet down, not to just the four-and-a-half, but below the four-and-a-half to where the Patriots were three-and-a-half-point favorites where they remain right now. Finally, on Monday night, Dallas will be at the Giants. Uh, another move during the week saw the opening number of nine be bet down to seven-and-a-half. Of course, Dallas had a bye last week. The Giants competitive in their loss at Detroit. The game was reposted Sunday afternoon with Dallas, that same seven-and-a-half-point adjusted road favorite. That has since been bet down to uh, the Cow- I'm sorry, Cowboys favored by seven and a half, been bet down to Dallas now by a, by seven. As far as the advanced lines for uh, this coming week, things get underway on uh, Thursday night with the uh, San Francisco at Arizona game, and the advanced line has come out with. Um, uh, I'm trying to find it here for some reason. I don't see it here. Uh, I'm sorry. Here it is. It's the Chargers. Uh, at uh, Oakland on Thursday, November 7th, and Oakland opened a one-and-a-half-point home favorite. Uh, the, uh, they've done a little bit of different posting this week. Uh, no line on Kansas City at Tennessee. Of course, the Patrick Mahomes uh, situation involved there. In fact, uh, they even did not have a line for the advance uh, for this week with Minnesota at Kansas City due to the increasingly positive prospects for Mahomes, uh, whose uh, status for this, this week's game against the aforementioned Vikings not yet determined. Buffalo opened as a two-and-a-half point home – excuse me. Cleveland opened as a two-and-a-half point home favorite against Buffalo – it's been bet up to three in the early 24, first 24 hours of wagering. Tampa Bay, a five-and-a-half-point home favorite over Arizona. The New York Jets, a one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Giants. Jets listed as the home team. The game will be played at MetLife Stadium, where uh, it's shared by both. And I would tend to think more Giant fans may actually show up at that one. Nonetheless, the Jets, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. New Orleans has opened as a 13-point favorite at home in their divisional matchup against Atlanta. Saints coming off their bye this week. Uh, Baltimore, a 10-point road favorite at Cincinnati. Green Bay opened 7.5-point home favorite against Carolina. Early action betting them down to 6.5. The Chicago Bears opened and remained early early 3.5-point home favorite against Detroit. Uh, Indianapolis will host Miami. The Colts, 15.5-point home favorites. The Rams will be in Pittsburgh. Rams favored by 3.5. The Sunday night game, Minnesota at Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys, 3-point home favorites. And next Monday night, an NFC. This is an attractive NFC West divisional battle. Seattle at San Francisco. The 49ers open and remain six-point home favorites over the Seahawks. Andy Isco with a review of the advanced lines at the Westgate Superbook Contest in Las Vegas. And before I handed out the victor with a question on the show this week, Andy, I want to ask you a quick question here. That big line move that was made by the Sharps on the New England-Baltimore game Sunday night. Uh, do you see that line? going any lower or do you see the, uh, the a lot of people coming to back New England at a, what appears to be an attractively low price, mainly the betting public, come Sunday night? Well, it's interesting because even though the quote-unquote value is gone from what could have been had last week, you're still above a key number of three. So three and a half is the number. I'm not so sure that the books are going to be that quick to go to three unless they're just overwhelmed by Ravens money. You have to believe that the public will continue to back the Patriots looking at three and a half. The, uh, the wise guys, the professionals will probably take the attitude that 
Uh, we could have had it at four and a half. We could have had it at six and a half. Uh, why not wait and see the ones who, who took it to six and a half may wait and see if that line goes down to three and then come in and have a nice three and a half point middle working them for them, laying three with New England and taking six and a half uh, with, uh, Ra with the uh, Ravens. If they did not get involved, I would think that any action by the, by the wise guys would be minimal at best for the aforementioned reason about uh, having already lost the value in, in, the, in the line, even though the limits were lower and uh, not, not as widely available, that number. Three and a half is, is a number that will make you think about uh, taking the Ravens, but it will also think, make you think about laying the points with Baltimore, with, with New England, rather. And if you're able to uh, find a place where you can buy it down from three and a half to three, uh, I would imagine that that will be a very attractive option. Andy is joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And before I ask Andy his complimentary play on the show, Victor, have you got a question you'd like to run by him as well? I do. Andy, you mentioned no line currently in the Minnesota-Kansas City game, a big topic of discussion over the last seven days. What's a great quarterback worth to the point spread? We see guys like Drew Brees or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers who are worth six to seven points. It appears Patrick Mahomes is even higher. So my question to you, what would you anticipate the line being if Patrick Mahomes was named the starter or if Matt Moore was named the starter? Well, I, I seem to remember seeing something somewhere, a, a theoretical line that if Mahomes was out, Minnesota would be about a six-point road favorite in that game. As uh, rumors started to circulate about Mahomes, perhaps, I, I read a report late last week that uh, the target date for Mahomes was not this week, but week 10. Then there started to be some... Uh, scuttlebutt that it might actually be this week against the Vikings, especially following the loss to Green Bay. They're not going to rush him back, but they're thinking that he might be available. He's made tremendous progress, better than anyone expected. And we started to see that uh, that line go down. Uh, most places have it off the board. I'm still showing at Circa, uh, Minnesota, a two-point road favorite, which makes me think it's more likely than not uh, that uh, Mahomes will see action. We saw what the adjustment was last week when we knew Mahomes was not going to play against Green Bay. Before the injury uh, in the game against Denver on that Thursday night, the advance line had already come out with the Chiefs' uh, four-and-a-half-point home favorites against the, uh, uh, the Packers. When Mahomes was ruled out, the line shifted such that Green Bay was a four-point uh, road favorite over Kansas City. So we saw roughly an eight to eight and a half point adjustment based upon Mahomes. Uh, that might be considered the, uh, the, the biggest quarterback, uh, you know, it's not necessarily the quality, uh, the quality of the backup. It's the drop off in the quality from the starter right. to the backup. So right. we th the thought the thought would be that the drop off between Mahomes and Moore. Remember, Mahomes, the defending NFL MVP, probably wouldn't be much more than that against a Moore, uh, Matt Moore, who hadn't seen action in a number of years. So I think we're looking at probably uh, most people would say between a seven to eight-point drop-off between the elite quarterbacks and infrequently used backups. All right. Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas as we're going over the contest, what's going on in Las Vegas, and a quick question from Victor as well about National Football League quarterbacks and how they power rate into the odds in their games. And Andy, before I let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play in the NFL this weekend. 
Well, I'm going to go uh, to your uh, your new home team, the Miami Dolphins, and look for them to uh, perhaps get their first win of the season as they uh, host the New York Jets, the uh, uh, bitterly disappointing New York Jets. There's a lot of friction in that locker room. There's a lot of anti-Adam Gaze sentiment. There's a lot of uh, bickering. Uh, the uh, Jamal Adams was very vocal in some of the moves that the Jets made or didn't make. The thought of even tr- considering the trade of Le'Veon Bell uh, has raised a lot of eyebrows. Uh, there's a lot of dissatisfaction between the players and the coaching staff uh, led by Adam Gaze, who, of course, was the Miami coach till he got fired last year. So might, some people might think, you know what? Adam Gaze uh, might want revenge. I, I don't know that it's so much that uh, he wants revenge, but that the players on Miami want to show that they're better than what uh, he was able to produce from them. Of course, you've got the fact that it's no secret that Miami is tanking, but it's not the players who tank. It's the organization that tanks by not putting them in a position to win. Nonetheless, we've seen three straight efforts out of the Miami Dolphins that show that the players are still playing hard. We saw them in that one-point loss at Washington. Yeah, the two-point conversion play was somewhat questionable, but the fact that they rallied to tie to have an opportunity to tie or win that game in the closing moments was impressive. Then, of course, the week at Buffalo, they competed for the entire game in that one, getting the point spread cover in that uh, uh, 10-point loss. And even Monday night, jumping out to that 14 to nothing lead uh, on the road at Pittsburgh, showed that the players continue to try hard. Uh, when, when I take a look at uh, the quarterback comparison, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick gives the Dolphins a better chance to win than Sam Darnold does uh, giving the, uh, uh, the Jets uh, a chance to win. I think I commented last week, I don't know if there are any personal foul called on Jacksonville. They sacked Darnold eight times. I wonder if, I wonder if any of those defenders, as uh, they were getting off Darnold, yelled boo at him, uh, considering uh, his ghost comments from the previous Monday night. But nonetheless, uh, I, like the, uh, I like the leadership that Fitzpatrick has shown with the uh, Dolphins. No team wants to go 0-16. They don't, the players don't care about getting the top draft choice. The players care about reaching bonus incentives. They care about uh, looking good for teams that might be interested in them uh, for uh, next season, etc. Uh, the line, as I mentioned before, was 6.5 last week, which seemed high to begin with before anything we saw this past Sunday. And, of course, it went down to the point now where the uh, Dolphins – uh, are uh, getting still points. They're getting uh, three to three and a half, depending upon uh, where you uh, where you where you can shop. Uh, I'm going to have a play on the Dolphins uh, plus the points in this game. In fact, I'm showing pretty much uh, the three and a halves have all but disappeared. I'm going to have a play on the Dolphins plus the three, and I'm also going to split the play up with part of it on the money line this week. I think that uh, the Dolphins get their first win of the season this week, and I'm going to use that for the uh, for the play this week. Andy fades the ghost whisperer. This Sunday in Miami as he plays the Miami Dolphins against Sam Darnold and the New York Jets for his complimentary play. And also we'll back it up with a little bit on the money line. Great job on the show, Andy, as always this week. I'm going to wish you the best of luck this week. And we'll look forward to visiting with you once again here next week on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you, Andy. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys, when we come back. Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on this show. I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays. And we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. 
Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week this week in college football, we call it You Wear It Well. It's one of our Bet You Didn't Knows from our feature Bet You Didn't Know Black Books. And the way it works this week is this. We're going to play on any college football conference home dog of eight or more points from game eight on out that's playing with revenge if they're coming off a win. These Conference home dogs of eight or more from game eight on out with rest and revenge coming off a win have gone 30 and 12 against the spread since 1980. That's a high percentage play that we're going to be on with this week. A 71% play will be on the Georgia Tech rambling wreck, taking the points against Pittsburgh for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports as well. Can do. And my final thought from the uh, Andy segment was, you know, when I was watching last Sunday's NFL games, my favorite banner from last week's action was actually in that Jacksonville New York Jets game. And there was a banner that said, Gardner Minshew ain't afraid of no ghosts. And it's <laughs> a great, great crossover between Ghostbusters and, and obviously Sam Darnold's in-game visions. So uh, <laughs> there you have it. Now, this is a good week for the newsletters. Playbook newsletter, issue number 11, 16 pages chock full. Midweek alert, I believe, went 3-0 and for the second week in a row. TCU winner last week. Miami of Florida winner in uh, college football. And even the Seattle Seahawks, if you bet them early in the week, you laid less than seven points because they didn't announce Matt Ryan was not going to play officially for Atlanta until Saturday. So we released the midweek on Wednesday. There were three full days to get Seattle in under seven points. I'm calling it a 3 and a week for the midweek alert newsletter. Six and all last two weeks. You're going to want to get on board for uh, issue number uh, seven this week. And not to mention the totals tip sheet, Mark. This is a special issue this week of the totals tip sheet because we have over-under selections in all three of the primetime games. If you like betting the night games... Watch and win. We've got over-under plays in all three of those night games. Thursday night game, Sunday night game, Monday night game, all in this week's totals tip sheet. And that's where we're going for this week's free play. Why not give the ball to Tuco and let him run with it again? He hit the nice under winner last week across the pond when he said to go under 18 points for the Cincinnati Bengals. The Rams held him to only 10. This week, Tuco is on and over. And it might not be a popular play, but we think it's the right play. And Tuco's going over the total Buffalo Bills over 23 points. They'll be playing the Washington Redskins at home this particular week. 
and their projected team total is 23. It's the third straight home game for the Buffalo Bills, and that basically takes us right into our first uh, query of the database. All NFL teams in their third straight home game have averaged 31.2 points per game in the last three seasons. It's a good spot for us after Buffalo did not look good last week at home, in which they scored only 13 against Philadelphia. Non-division home favorites who scored less than 14 at home in their previous week have averaged 26.5 points per game since 2012. This is one of those weird games where you've got a high point spread and a very low over-under line. At last look, Buffalo was laying 9.5. The over-under line was the lowest line we've seen this season at 36.5 points. When you enter both of those numbers into the database – Big home faves of nine or greater with a low over-under line of 37 or less points have averaged 34.0 points per game in the last 10 years. For me, what seals the deal is when I was looking at the playbook newsletter and Mark's write-up in this particular game this morning, uh, I felt very, very good when he said that Buffalo has averaged 24.3 points per game against foes with losing records this season. There you have it. It all ties in. Tuco was going over the total. Buffalo Bills over 23 points. This week for King Creole, we got our four-star over of the week in the NFL. We thank all who joined us for the Giants-Lions over the total, our game in the month of October. And don't forget the midweek alert newsletter, the totals tip sheet newsletter, and the playbook newsletter this week. Again, Mark, we're riding Tuco. He's going Buffalo over 23 points. Victor goes over the Buffalo Bills total of 23 points for his complimentary play on the show this weekend. Be sure to hop on board for all of King Creole's plays this weekend when you log on at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners out there that our friends at mybookie.ag, the only offshore sports book that I, Mark Lawrence, personally endorse, wants to remind you that you can still get a sign-up bonus simply by logging on at mybookie.ag and using the password playbook. Or you can call toll-free at 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get your sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag. Do it now, just in time for the games this weekend. And speaking about the games this weekend, this will kick off our Annual 10-star November to remember this weekend. Our 10-star November to remember will include five full weeks of college and NFL football this month. Kicking it off this weekend will be my NFL Perfect System Play of the Year from the NFL database. You can get it with our 10-star November to remember package or with a $99 football weekend of winners when you log on at playbook.com or call me toll-free now to get on board today at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week will be on the Virginia Cavaliers. We'll take the points against North Carolina, the Tar Heels of UNC. As we fade North Carolina, is just 1-8 to the spread as a favorite off a win when taking on a better than 600 conference opponent that's off a straight-up and ATS loss. Virginia comes into this game owning 97 yards the better defense, both teams are 3-2 and two in the ACC Atlantic Division, so this will be a big game for both of these football teams. But with North Carolina just winning two of their last seven games straight up and 1-3 and three to the spread as a favorite under Mac Brown, 
I'll take the points with Bronco Mendenhall as we make Virginia our complimentary play on the football card this weekend. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports. Our good friend Andy Esco joining us from Las Vegas. We've got the Vegas of five from Andy this weekend. And until next week, I want to remind you that our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening above, would always like to remit, but you know, you know, to remember to always a bit with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.